Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Game Time Podcast. With your host, I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. The 2020 NFL season has officially kicked off. The Kansas City Chiefs defeated the Houston Texans 34-20 on Thursday night as the running backs were maybe a bit of a surprise story in that game. We'll recap that game along with Sunday's first full slate of games of the season along with the doubleheader on Monday night. So Shai, let's get right into it because it's game time. So we'll start by recapping that Thursday night kick, you know, kicking off the season. The defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs taking on the Houston Texans, a rematch of the AFC divisional round just not even a year ago. And yes, you have Patrick Mahomes, massive contract, Deshaun Watson, another massive contract, both of them signing those deals in the offseason, this past offseason. But it was the running backs. And I get it, everyone wants to talk about Clyde Edwards Hilaire. But David Johnson, I feel like, interested me a little more because he looked more like that Cardinals David Johnson of old, the guy before all those injuries, obviously, most notably, the broken wrist. 11 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown, but he just looked like that old elusive back, uh, caught some passes out of the backfield. Again, 11 carries for 77 yards, 7 yards per carry. That's just really good efficiency from the Texans running back behind an okay offensive line, but obviously nothing to write home about. Um, what are your thoughts on this game a whole, but also the running the running game for b- both teams that really thrived last night? Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, when David Johnson got his looks, he was great. I, I was really impressed with him. He showed the burst, showed the elusiveness, like you said. It's unfortunate they weren't really able to run the ball more, you know, getting down uh, by getting down quite the big uh, deficit quite early in that game. Um, but he looked good. Obviously, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the real deal. He's going to be the bell cow back there. We saw a glimpse of what he can do, a nice taste. Um, but this Kansas City Chiefs offense hasn't lost a beat. It hasn't. And, you know, even that's got with guys like, you know, I feel like Tyreek Hill did not do... Obviously, he caught the touchdown, but overall, I thought he didn't have a big game. Nicole Harmon didn't have a big game. And overall, the Chiefs just didn't stretch the field like they're known for. I thought this Chiefs offense last night, despite putting up 34 points, was just okay. I thought they were good, but I did not think they were great. I didn't think they were anywhere close to what we've seen them before in the past, which is scary. Because knowing that they can hang 34 on you and still not look like their best kind of they had their B stuff yet again they still were able to handle the Houston Texans pretty easily Clyde Edwards Elaire is obviously the guy who's probably being most talked about less than 24 hours after the game and again 25 carries I don't think you know I thought he would get a definitely a significant workload but I you know 25 carries is right up there with the Saquon Barkley's the Ezekiel Elliott's the Christian McCaffrey's guys who are the true bell cow at this but looking at what he did in college at LSU and then just knowing that fit with that elusive and track team of an offense in the Chiefs it doesn't surprise me that much the production he put up in week one I also want to get to a defensive player JJ Watt 
I mean, he he's allowed so many injuries, but even if maybe he didn't jump off on in the box score, so many plays were just disruptive and lane, and he just broke into a bunch of lanes where either Edward Lair or Mahomes had to avoid, and then they end up getting stopped for a minimal gain or a loss. So I really thought J.J. Watt looked just very impressive, just maybe the only bright spot on that Texans defense. Yeah, getting back about Texans defense, um, I don't want to say I was impressed with it, but I think they competed. You know, Chris Collins was talking about this um, late, not in garbage time in the fourth quarter, but that Texas defense really competed, and along with J.J. Watt, I mean, if this uh, if this Texans offense is able to sort of keep with, which is, again, a lot to ask, but to keep with the Kansas City Chiefs playing the, what you said, their B game, you know, I think this defense, Anthony Weaver's defense, did a decent job, especially, you know, in the early going and, and late in the game, showing some fight at the goal line. Um, but I, I, I kind of liked a little bit what I saw from, his defense there. Uh, I totally agree with you about everything else you said. I didn't think the quarterback play was as sharp as we're used to seeing from these two guys, especially Deshaun Watson. And then, off, and then Texans' offensive line. I mean, I know they were solid in the running game, and David Johnson, which makes his game more impressive, but Deshaun Watson, I mean, that poor guy there in the pocket, he has no time to throw. And it's, it's, it's you know, he's a magician. But to a certain extent, you got to give him some time. I mean, that, that Chiefs defense was having a little bit of a field day there. You know, they made Larry, Larry Tunso the highest-paid offensive tackle in the game over this offseason. And even if Tunso has a career game each and every week, which is a lot to ask for for any player, the entire Texans offensive line just looked out of sorts. I don't know if it was because there was no preseason. I don't know if it's because, you know, Chris Jones and Frank Clark are very good at what they do. But that Texas Texans offensive line has to be better against, no matter who you're playing, they have to be better than they did tonight. Because, you know, Watson's interception, he it was a perfect example because he should not have thrown that ball, but he got blasted as he was throwing the ball, and it kind of led to the interception Mahomes, he had a dropped interception, and then you had the other interception in the end zone that was called back after a defensive penalty on Houston. Both quarterbacks did not play their best, which I think could be scary for the Chiefs, knowing, again, they hung 34, and again, Mahomes did not look like the Mahomes we're accustomed to seeing. So, the Chiefs are going to be dangerous as always. It'll be interesting, because the Texans, I remember last year in week one, they lost a shootout to the Saints, but they hung right with them, and that was quite impressive. This, although, you know, I look up and it's 31-7 and certainly felt a lot closer than 31-7. Maybe it's because that defense wasn't as bad as the score indicates, but the Texans as a whole have to play better. I will say, Will, will Fuller, I'm looking, eight catchers for 112 yards. I certainly would not have thought that. Now, a lot of that may have come in garbage time land the game when, as I said, it was already 31-7, to and I think a lot of Watson stats may have been padded because of uh, garbage time, but I feel like, you know, that Chiefs offense just looked out of sync for most of the game, and I feel like on that, that defense has to be better. J.J. Watt obviously was a bright spot. David Johnson looked like the David Johnson of old, so we'll kind of see how do the Texans rebound now. They have a longer week. I think 
Chiefs, I think they'll get it. Their offense will get even better as the season goes on. Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and then all those skill players. I'm not worried about them. Houston, I'm not. I don't want to say worried about because, as I said, they're facing the defending Super Bowl champs. A lot of people had KC coming into the game, but I'll be interested to watch them over the next few weeks to kind of see where do they go from here. So, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you mentioned that pick by Deshaun Watson. That's a frustration play. I mean, you understand it if you're Deshaun, but you should, again, you can't make that throw. He's frustrated out there, and he should be. That offensive line wasn't given any time. But also, I think something you have to take into account, too, before we move on, is there's rust here. There's been no preseason games, and there's only a certain amount you could do in training camp, and a limited amount, too, with that, uh, with those precautions being placed, too, so you can only... Uh, I don't remember exactly what week they could do full contact. I believe it was three weeks ago. Was that? Was they they, had, they only had 14 padded practices. Okay, so for only 14 padded practices. So that's that's not very much. So you got to account for some rust here. We saw some drops early. The first, the first throw of the game in a Will Fuller. Beautiful pass from Deshaun Watson. It's a drop. You know, uh, I believe it was Demarcus Robinson who did not hold on in the end zone on the Chiefs' first drive. So, I mean, there there, there were some some receiving drops. But again, rust all around, some careless uh, penalties on the offensive line, etc. But I think we're going to see some rust, and I think we should, you know, we should take that into account as we continue to watch football this, this week one. Yeah, no, I definitely think we're going to see a lot more rust. Uh, I think it was pretty good overall quality of play. There weren't as many sloppy penalties as maybe... We would expect, especially with only 14 padded practices and zero, uh, you know, exhibition games. So I think that on that side, it was actually pretty good. But overall, yeah, teams beyond this week will hopefully be getting much more sharper with the overall quality of play. So now let's look ahead. Let's look ahead to the Sunday games, the Monday night games. And we'll start with one of the great, you know, should be a very competitive one o'clock game, the Seattle Seahawks, who obviously acquired Jamal Adams over this offseason, are visiting the Atlanta Falcons. Now, Atlanta obviously is coming off a dis- a couple of disappointing seasons, and it's probably make or break for their head coach, Dan Quinn, former employee for the Seahawks. This is, I think this is going to be a really competitive game. It, as I said, it's in Atlanta, which I think will favor that kind of high-flying or potentially high-flying offense that Atlanta has with Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, even a guy like Hayden Hurst. So I'm excited to see what this Falcons offense looks like. I think it'll be pretty good. Obviously, Russell Wilson, who you know I think has, is the second-best quarterback in the NFL, as I have said many times, I think this will be a very good game. Yeah, I think it will be competitive, but I think uh, I've got to give an edge, a solid edge to Seattle here, even on the road. you got to go with what you know here and, and, and Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. I'm excited to see Jamal Adams playing for the first time in that Seattle Seahawks jersey. I'm, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, I'd say, for the Falcons and overall – their overall team, and the Achilles heel has been, like obviously their offense has not lived up to expectation, but the Achilles heel for the past few seasons has really been that defense. So let's see with a, with a healthier team, can they 
um, can they really start to sustain some momentum on that side of the ball? Because that's really been where they've been struggling. And starting me off with Russell Wilson is not going to be super pleasant for them, but it'll be an interesting, nice test for the Falcons. But I do like Seattle here. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, no. And I understand what you're saying. I just think if this game would would have been in Seattle, I think it'd be a lot more lopsided in Seattle's favor than it is in the Dome in Atlanta. I think this is actually a very tough game to decide. I'll go with the Seahawks, but I'm I'm a I'm very I don't know. I'm trying to think of the right word, but it's very enticing to maybe even go with Atlanta. I'll go with Seattle because I think they they have the offense, Carson, Metcalf, Lockett, they to compete with Atlanta, and they do have the better defense, and obviously Russell Wilson. So I'll go with the I'll go with Seattle, but I think Atlanta. I think this could really be a back and forth game with a lot of a lot of offensive fireworks. So. Let's move on to the Jets against the Buffalo Bills division rival game to kick off the season in the AFC East. The Jets were a team I had high hopes for last year, and I thought the Jets were going to take a big step in the right direction, and then their quarterback got mono, which I feel like is almost the most Jet thing that could have happened last year. I'm go- I'll go with the Bills. I th- the Bills should win this game. I think they're extremely well coached uh, with Sean McDermott leading the way, obviously. The defense, I think, is a very good defense, one of the best defenses in the NFL. Headlined by newly paid Tredavious White, a very very handsome contract, getting $70 million or $69 million. I think he has a chance to get up to $70 million. He's going to get paid about $17.5 million per season. And for I guess for a few days he was the highest paid cornerback. We'll get to who the new highest paid cornerback is later in the podcast. Jets, I think there's a lot of certain uncertainty. Uh, I think Crowder's a Crowder's a nice player, but you know Adam Gase and showed didn't sounds like there might be some trouble with Denzel Mims, their rookie receiver. I there's too many question marks. C.J. Mosley opted out, so I think the Jets. Again, I had high hopes for them last year. They didn't do much. They start. They ended strong, which was nice. But again, with Mosley's opt-out, they trade Jamal Adams. And I think just uncertainty on the offense, even with guys like Le'Veon, you don't know what you're getting, what you're going to get from them at this point in their careers. I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, i got to agree with you there. Um, Buffalo is, is a much better team. Not really much of a debate there. But I want to see the Buffalo Bills establish a little bit more certainty in week one against a team that's not so good. A team they should be bullying on both sides of the ball. Well, and I want to see Josh Allen and this Bills offense come out and light up that scoreboard against a bad. That's Jets. not how the Bills are going to win games, though. I know I they, know. I know they acquired Stephon Diggs, but that's not how Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills are going to win games. They, I, they have to go back to their identity. They have to stick to their identity, which is being a ground-and-pound physical football team with the ability to stretch the field. The Bills no, should win... Not that, right now, for that Buffalo Bills team, it's not going to win them playoff games. And frankly, it won't right now. And I think they need to establish 
that shot that they I mean they should be that passing game they need to establish the ability for them to go down and score against a team that's not so good in a week one contest and that's just what I'm saying here I would like to see that from Buffalo I just think like the Bills should kind of just use just power over the Jets but powering over the against the Jets but yeah but powering over the Jets might not mean blowing them out even though the Bills might be a more a well put together team than the Jets and uh, Jets we don't there's we don't know what they are and the Bills you know I'm pretty confident in saying they should be a playoff team this year we I don't the Bills are not going to blow many teams out that's just not how they win games that's not how they go about their business so even if the Bills could go 10 and 6 11 and 5 and beat up and beat up a lot of teams but a beat up for them Will not will not equal what the scoreboard says, or the box score says. I don't know. I'd like to see them make something happen here on the offensive end of Josh Allen's arm. I know they're not. They may not want to do that, but I want to see some improvement from him. I want to no, see the, some improvement for the overall of this Bills offense. Josh Allen needs to improve. If they're going to make a deep playoff run, Josh Allen has to become more consistent. I'm not debating you on that. I'm just saying, if they win the game, you know, twenty three to ten, twenty three to fourteen, that's not a. I wouldn't say call that a blowout, but that those are the types of games that the Bills want to play. Those are the types of games that the Bills are going to win, and you know that's just their philosophy and their identity. And when you find that identity on your football team, you have to stick to it. You can't, you know, you have to play. They have to stick to their identity, essentially. Three scores is what I expect. But I expect three scores. See, I that's just not how the Bills play football, though. They're not. They're not the. They're not a team that's going to sling it left and right. Against the Jets team, this is a team they should beat handily, and they may not. They may not beat them handily because of what you're saying. But I'd like to. I'd like to see them. If they show some dominance in passing. If they get a lead. Josh Allen's not going to be throwing the ball 30 times a game. If they get the lead here, early lead, late lead, whatever it is, they're going to pound the rock. They're going to pound the Duke. Against a bad defense. I'd like to see him show what he can do this season against a defense that should be struggling. And I understand, but that's... Devin Singletary and Zach Moss and their running backs could get 30 touches, Right? I'm not debating that. Like if the if the Jet or sorry, not the Jets, if the Bills jump out to a lead, I'm running the ball. Especially with their personnel. You're running the ball. You're not having Josh Allen sling it thirty times a game. You know, if the if the Chiefs you know, if the Chiefs grab a lead, Patrick Mahomes winning, is still gonna sling it left and right. By, by winning a game you don't have to you don't have to show offensive proficiency, offensive an improvement, especially from a quarterback, by slinging it thirty times a game. That's not what I'm saying. But so let's move on. We're going in yeah. circles. I th- the Bills, I, the Bills win this game, but the scoreboard might not reflect the dominant game that the Bills put up. That's what I'm saying. All right, next game, the Chicago Bears and their. I think at this point, maybe even underrated their defense. I think they're no one's really recognizing the Bears defense in that top tier. I feel like anymore against. Matthew Stafford and his return and the Detroit Lions 
at this recording, we don't know the status of Kenny Galladay. That could obviously have an impact. I'm still going with the Detroit Lions. At the time of Matthew Stafford's injury, he was on pace to lead the NFL in touchdowns and only and the only guy throwing more yards than Stafford if Stafford had played a full year and continued his on pace would have been Jameis Winston. Stafford was having an MVP caliber season. I don't know. I'm not saying he'll have an MVP caliber season this year, but I think the Lions get the job done against the Bears. The the Lions were a, were a solid, you know, they're an okay team, and then you know they threw out Jeff Driscoll and David Blau. But you know the line the line this is a game the Lions should win. The Lions, I think they should beat the Bears. They're they're a better team than the Bears. I do think the Bears defense isn't recognized enough. But this is the game the Lions should come out on top of. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you there. I think Matthew Stafford's underrated severely, I think, right now. I'm it's a product of where him. where, and who he plays for. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely right. And I would... If, Sta- if Stafford played in the NBA, he, he, he would have uh, forced, him, forced a trade by now, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, that very well, that very well could be. Yeah, I would go with the Lions to win this game, too. I think maybe closer than people think because of this. The Bears' defense uh, is still one of the best in the league. Um, I just don't think Mitchell Trubisky, who will start this game, is, is going to, you know, bring his A game or his B game. I don't know, C game maybe, you know, if it's... Well, Trubisky might, Trubisky might bring his A game. Just Trubisky's A game, like, is there, like, a conversion chart to other quarterbacks? Like Trubisky's A game, maybe maybe Stafford's C plus game. Yeah, yeah, that that seems pretty well. I guess well, we'll maybe next week we'll have a conversion chart for each quarterback's yeah, A game yeah, we'll to make, we'll make one. We'll make one. <laughs> yeah, I think the Bears defense I think could, can have a very good year. I'm excited to see what Jeff Akuda can bring to the Lions. They got rid of Darius Slay. We'll get to that move later on when we talk about the Eagles, but. You know, does Akuda follow Allen Robinson around? That'll be interesting. Bears have some nice weapons. Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson. But remember, Montgomery, uh, David Montgomery, their Bears running back, suffered a pretty bad groin injury. It looks like he might be able to play, but we'll see if he's limited. So all eyes, all eyes are on Trubisky, no matter how many times he throws the ball. So let's get to maybe he. This is a really big divisional game. The Green Bay Packers take on the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota in that dome. I'm going with the Vikings. I think this is a game where I would probably pick whoever the home team is. Aaron Rodgers has not had great games in Minnesota even since the Vikings moved into their indoor stadium. The Vikings secondary, or I guess more specifically cornerbacks, do scare me a bit. But I think that's where you got to trust Mike Zimmer, who's a very good head coach and a very good defensive mind. And I think he'll be able to help elevate those guys' play. Cam Dantzler, Jeff Gladney, they're rookies. And then also, Daniel Hunter going to IR is going to be big. But that's where the acquisition of Yannick Ngakwe can fill some of that void until Hunter comes back. Ngakwe, obviously a very, very capable pass rusher. We'll see with the pa- we'll see with the Packers. Uh, obviously, Adams could have a big day against that uh, inexperienced secondary of Minnesota. But with the game in Minnesota, I like the Vikings. Yeah, Alex, I think this is going to be a 
physical, I think it's going to be a dogfight. I, I don't expect a high-scoring game here. These are two top-tier defenses, in my opinion. And I know I don't know how much, how confidently that a home team, a home advantage is here. It uh, does. Just mm. I don't... The, you're not going to have that crowd noise, obviously. But I right. do, I do exactly. think, you know... Aaron Rodgers, I don't think, really gets phased by crowd noise, yet he's still struggling in Minnesota. So, I, do, I, I definitely think... Atmospheres certainly have... Exactly. So, I don't uh, think home field advantage will play as big a role as it has in the past, but, you know, I think going to Lambeau or going to Seattle, going to Arrowhead, or even going to Minnesota, I think, will still have an effect on some teams. No, I, I agree with that. And I'm going to pick the Vikings to win this game. And, and again, a dogfight. I think it's going to be a close, low-scoring physical battle of the defenses, battle in the trenches. And I'm, I'm giving the edge to the Vikings. I think Yannick Ngakwe shows what he can do. We see that that really strong, even without Leo Hunter, that strong Vikings defensive line assert itself against the offensive, against the offensive line of the Packers, which is a very solid group. Well, they also lost Brian Bulaga, who's a pretty good tackle. So, I was just about to mention, yes, they lost Brian Bulaga. I don't expect him to be as strong, and I, I, I'm going to look for the Vikings to uh, to win this game. And I think it's going to come down to, again, another thing. Kirk Cousins got to pick up from where he left off. I think when we, and I'm talking about, again, they know they lost to San Francisco. I'm talking about from that New Orleans game. And he, and he was so good in that game. That was one of the best games I've seen Kirk Cousins play in that New Orleans game. He made the big throws. And for me, after that game, he became a top 10 NFL QB for me. Really? Just a low top 10, maybe at number 10 or number 9, but a low top 10 quarterback for me. And I want to see where he picks up from that. I wouldn't put him in the, I wouldn't put him in the top 10. But I still feel like there are way too many people who just keep bashing on Kirk Cousins. He's a very, and I think it's a lot because of his fully guaranteed contract, he's a very good NFL quarterback. Now, they will see about the absence of Stephon Diggs, but I really like Adam Thielen. When when Thielen is healthy, he's shown he can be a capable number one. Maybe not in the tier that is Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, but I think he has, you know, on a run-first offense like Minnesota is, he can be kind of a bottom-of-the-league, yet still wide receiver, one caliber receiver. And speaking of receivers, Alex, I'll be looking to see, you know, in a game that I think will be low-scoring. Justin Jefferson? I, I'm, I'm interested to see him, and I'm, I'm pretty confident in Justin Jefferson's ability. I really like him. Um, he may come on the scene a little bit later, maybe not quite in this game. But I'm looking to see those guys not named Devontae Adams in this in this Packers wide receiver group. Because they did not take a receiver at all. That's where they needed help. And, and I'm that, wondering, can they take that passing game to the next level without a proven num- number uh, two option? Here? They brought in Devin Funches, so I think can be a good number two, but he opted out. So they're not without Funches, who... You know, they signed in the offseason. I really like Alan Lazard. I think Lazard can step up. I think it says a lot when Aaron Rodgers praises you, like, publicly. Like, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to praise someone for the sake of saying the right thing to the media. So when when he praises someone 
like an Alan Lazard, I, I don't know about you, but at least I, I take notice. Yeah, I think Alan Lazard uh, was a little raw last year, but was was impressive uh, in his moments. Um, uh, Geronimo Allison, I think, is still there. Um, Scantling. So I, Mm-hmm. Uh, Mar- yeah. Marquez Valdez Scantling, I believe, is still so there we'll as well. We'll see if, if one of them can take the next level and really elevate that Packers passing game. Should we move on now? I yes. want to make sure we have time for everyone. Yes, we might. Uh, Dolphins Patriots, the debut of Cam Newton in a Patriots uniform. I'm really interested to see, you know, we always talk about like that bromance between Brady and Edelman. I'm, I'm really interested to, just to look at that chemistry between Cam and Edelman now. I have the Patriots win this game. I like where the Dolphins are going as a franchise. They're just not at the level that the Patriots are yet. And remind me, Alex, where this game is. Oh, sorry, it's in New England, which is another, you know. Now, Miami went to New England and won last year. That was the last game they played. So, I get anything can happen, but I'm still going with the Patriots. You know, this is a game where I'm going to pick. I'm going to go with you. I'm going to pick the home team in the New England Patriots. And if it was at home, if it was at home for the Dolphins, I would pick Miami. Interesting, uh, I, interesting. I really, you know, I think my Ryan Fitzpatrick gets slept on. He's got that Fitz magic still. I think he can still go out and make plays. We saw that in Week 17. I don't think we'll see quite. I was never going to think Bill Belichick is not going to let that happen again, even with the defense that's a tad understaffed with all these opt-outs. Um, and I'd be interested to see if it can still play on that uh, next level with, with losing some of these pieces. Um, and, you know, I, I think we're going to see the first time where, you know, we really are going into it knowing this is com- going to be a competitive football game. That revamped Dolphins secondary, they've got Cam Newton, two teams that are, honestly, there's there's not a huge talent gap between them. So, I'll be really excited and interested to see this game. It's one of my matches, and I've really been looking forward to in week one. All right, so let's get to the next game. The Philadelphia Eagles take on the Washington football team. Still still getting a little used to saying that. There's too much uncertainty uh, at the quarterback position for Washington for me to pick them. And as I kind of alluded to earlier when talking about the Lions, no one's talked about the Darius Slay trade. I feel like that's been maybe the most underappreciated or under-talked-about moves. Darius Slay is a top corner. He's not the best corner, but I definitely think he's right around the top five even. I love Darius Slay. And now the Eagles, you know, they cut Rasul Douglas. They cut Sidney Jones. They let go, uh, you know, Malcolm Jenkins and the Eagles parted ways. But they have that guy who can travel with the number one receivers. And kind of right now, the only threat that really scares me on that Washington offense is McLaurin. You put Slay to kind of travel with McLaurin. I, maybe Calvin Harmon. Or, he may, I don't know. The entire Washington offense just scares me and not in a good way. Yeah, I think, you know, I picked the Eagles. Harmon, did Harmon, Harmon may, is out for the year, actually. If I recall, I may, I may have misspoke there. I don't know. I think he might be. I think he may have yeah, gotten injured there. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, second that for you, but um, he, yeah, you may, may want to check on that. But um, you know, I picked the Eagles to win this division, and it's not you know obviously a healthy Carson Wentz. Hopefully, 
a better, healthier receiving group. But that's not why I picked them. I picked them because I'm confident in this Eagles defense. And right now, I think they're the best defense in that division. Um, I think they're well coached. I think they add that guy where they were needed, as you said, in Darius Lay, in that secondary to travel with the number one. And I want to see them, you know, on, at full strength, just give me a taste of what they can do down in these sort of December football games. Yeah, um, also with three new coaches in that division, the Eagles have that familiarity. Their guys, for the most part, are returning. Same team, sense of comfort, which goes a long way in this offseason of COVID-19 with a lack of OTAs and over just overall practices and having time together, physically together as a team. So I think that also benefits the Eagles, unlike the other three teams in that division. So let's go to a game that is definitely going to be pretty interesting. The Las Vegas Raiders take on the Carolina Panthers, a new era, really for both teams. Obviously, the Raiders are now in Vegas, and the Panthers, new coach and Matt Rule, new quarterback with Teddy Bridgewater. I think this is going to be a good game, actually. I'm going with the Raiders, though. I, I think Derek Carr is a fine quarterback. I, I think, you know, what they did in the offseason is going to be solid. You know, I think they have a decent team. And the Panthers, I just don't really know what to expect. Yeah, I think it's going to be a close, a competitive game here with two teams that I think are on around the same level to me. Um and I'm going to also go with the Raiders. I I think I like Derek Carr, I'm, and I, I like the running game with Josh Jacobs, although Carolina's got a damn good running game as well. Um, and, you know, I, I, that defense is, is young, but maybe it will take some steps. And I just think they're a little bit uh, more familiar, again, as you said, you know, you know with, with Gruden there and Carr there, and it's just more familiarity. Yeah. Okay, let's go to now the Indianapolis Colts. Another guy new to the fold, Philip Rivers. Rivers, obviously the new quarterback, but both Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator for the Colts, both worked with the Rivers in the past. So it's not completely new for Philip Rivers. Taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I'm really high on the Colts. I'm not high on the Jaguars. The Colts, I think this they need to win this game. This is a game they absolutely should win. Yeah, that's not really a question for me. Um, I I think the thing you want to watch is how Philip Rivers is going to rebound from the last season. So I know he's going to be looking to do that. That's not what he wanted, um, especially with a better offensive line. So I want to see how you know how he comes out in Week One and performs. Yeah, Gardner Minshew's always entertaining. I think this Jaguars offense might not be as terrible. Like, it might not be, like, the last or, you know, worst offense in the league. I think this offense can be eh, you know, meh. Uh, The defense, obviously, they're completely overloading that side of the ball. So, we'll see with the Jaguars. This is kind of a rebuilding team, a team that's getting a lot younger and building up on draft picks. Probably the last season for Doug Marone, unless he, you know, significantly overperforms this year. Let's now go to an AFC North battle between the Cleveland Browns, who I expect to be much better this year with a better leader in coach uh, Kevin Stefanski. They still have all the talent and added Austin Hooper. 
They improved the offensive line with Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin. But they're obviously now facing the reigning MVP Lamar Jackson and a Ravens team that went 14-2. Now, last year, the Browns went into Baltimore and really, you know, I mean, they punched the Ravens right in the gut. I mean, they really, they ran the ball well. Mayfield had a pretty good, I mean, they beat up the Ravens in that, I believe, week four matchup last year in Baltimore. I think the Ravens are going to win this game, but as I've said many times, I think the Cleveland Browns aren't going to be this pushover that they were for a lot of last year. I think a lot of the dysfunction that was in their organization, not just last year, but in recent history, should be gone now. I think they have the right people leading that organization. I'm still going with Baltimore, but it's more of it's more of I think Baltimore's still very good than I have no faith in Cleveland. Fair enough. You know, I think it's gonna be a we get another close divisional game here. I I still like Baltimore. Um Maybe I should maybe I should have picked the Falcons in our first match just to disagree with you. <laughs> maybe, yeah. <laughs> should I should I just pick the Falcons just to just disagree with you? I don't know. We had a we had a pretty you know good debate there, you know, with the Bills, and I don't know. What well, well, <laughs> I'll give you the opportunity of three seconds. You know what? Falcons win. <laughs> All right, there you go. I'm picking the upset. Why not? Why not? Yeah, there's not going to be an upset in this game, though. I think the Ravens are going to win a competitive game, a high-scoring game, a little bit of a shootout, I think. But I do like the Ravens at the end of the day. But I want to see how Baker Mayfield is going to perform with that revamped offensive line. Yeah, no, the Browns' offensive line and obviously coaching was basically why they did not perform nearly up to the expectations. They improved in both areas. That's why I have higher hopes for Cleveland this upcoming season. This will be a somewhat interesting game with Joe Burrow making his NFL debut, taking on the Los Angeles Chargers Obviously, Chargers kind of beginning a new era themselves, moving on from Phillip Rivers. They drafted Justin Herbert. And this Chargers team, I think, is a very well-rounded team. I know they lost Derwin James basically you know, for the season. But I just really like just how well-rounded this Chargers team are. I think they're really well-coached. And again, Burrow could light it up. I remember it was a couple years ago. The Kansas City Chiefs were taking on the Chargers to open up the season, and a lot of people probably thought the Chargers would win. Chiefs had a young, you know, quarterback who only made one start. You know, obviously, you know, that guy is Patrick Mahomes. He throws five touchdowns, and he goes on to throw 50 on the season and wins MVP. I think this will be a little different. I don't think Burrow's going to have that type of year. I'm going with the Chargers. Terod Taylor, he does not turn over the football. And you have guys, you know, even if Mike Williams doesn't play, you have guys like Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler. On the defense, again, even with the Derwin James injury, it's still pretty strong. Chris Harris and Casey Hayward are, you know, is maybe the best corner duo in the NFL to go along with Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, even a guy like Linval Joseph up front. They drafted Kenneth Murray at 23. I thought that was pretty good value. 
Maybe Patrick Queen is a better modern-day linebacker with his coverage skills. Overall, I just really like this Chargers team. There's obviously going to be uncertainty of, you know, if and even when Justin Herbert takes over and when that time comes. That's when there'll be a ton of question marks because something that's really plagued Herbert is his inconsistency, especially uh, regarding his accuracy. But for now, with Taylor, a guy who, he's again, he's not going to turn the ball over. I'm going with the Chargers beating the Bengals here. Give me the Bengals, Alex. Give me some Joe Burrow. Give me this revamped offense. Get Jonah Williams back. We just signed Joe Mixon here. You know, it feels weird to talk about the Bengals, so much enthusiasm because I'm a Steelers fan. But I'm excited. I think the Bengals are going to win this game. You know, I think this offense is going to go out, and they're going to, I mean, they're, I think they're going to light up a pretty good Chargers defense, frankly. And, you know, and I can't point to one specific thing why. You know, maybe that's Joe Burrow having that amazing year, coming out with confidence, you know, that gunslinger attitude, you know. But, I mean, uh, they have a great receiving core. T-, T. Higgins, A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd. I just, I just really like this Bengals team to upset in the new stadium. Well, the no, the, ga- the game is in Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, the game is in Cincinnati. I'm sorry. Well, then I definitely like them to upset. Well, I'm, I, in, you really, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference, but I think they might have some fans, actually. Since yeah, I think has some it fans. Just makes me a little more. But, yeah, I do like this Chargers, I mean, this Bengals offense to sort of win the battle with that Chargers defense, because I think that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, we'll see with the return of A.J. Green. I think, obviously, that's kind of a secondary storyline with, you know, Joe Burrow coming off his record-setting year at LSU. But obviously, the return of AJ Green missed all of last year. Has battled injuries recently. You know, not just last year, but the years prior. So I think the return of AJ Green is also going to be something to watch for in this game. All right, let's go to now the newly paid DeAndre Hopkins. He signed a record two-year, fifty-four and a half million dollar deal, uh, just breaking Joey Bocha's. Uh, per year average of uh, highest AAV among non-quarterbacks. Now, Hopkins had three years on his deal, so really it'll end up averaging about $18.8 million over five years. But just looking at these two new years alone, it is the highest paid non-quarterback Alex, when looking at average annual value. Go ahead, Shai. Can I ask you something? Yes. Why do you think it's only two years? Well, I think, keep in mind, he already, he already had three years on his deal. So essentially, they have him for the next five years. I mean, you see a lot of extensions go four years, five years. So essentially, they you know they added two years on his deal. But right now, with the trade, they brought him in. So essentially, they you know now have him for five years, which is what a normal extension is. Or even a large, you know, fairly large extension is. I think going past five years is a bit of a risk for any position. I know Mahomes signed 10 years, and he's under contract for 12 more, and I think quarterbacks may be a little different. Uh, but also, Hopkins has been in the league for quite a bit, so I don't think he's, you know, like 20... He's not like 26 or 27, I don't believe. So it could also... You know, I'm not saying he's getting old or anything, but, you know, going past five years is definitely a bit of a risk. And again, you know, 
if they had him for if they signed him to a two year deal, yeah, I'd be interested. That would be maybe a little more puzzling. But knowing he's already how many contracts are done with three years left on them? Not many. Exactly. So I think you also have to take that into account. Yeah. Thanks for providing more clarity on that. Um, they play the Forty Niners. Let's get to the game. Cardinals, Niners, and San Fran. This Cardinals team is exciting. Hopkins, obviously. Second year Kyler Murray, but I still think the Niners are kind of, kind of almost remember who's boss among those teams and possibly in that division, maybe until they play Seattle. But I think the Niners have something to prove uh, with, you know, not getting a ton of, you know, publicity. I mean, we just talked about, you know, obviously the Rams, new stadium, L.A., Cardinals acquiring Hopkins and becoming this new exciting team. You know, Seattle acquired Jamal Adams and, you know, almost won the division last year. So I think the Niners are going to remind a lot of people that they did win the division. They were very close to a Super Bowl championship last year. And I think I think the Cardinals are obviously up and coming. And I think they could, if they're a year ahead of you know schedule, they could contend for a playoff spot. But I, I, I like the Niners in this game. Yeah, me too. Um, I think that, I don't think quite yet that this Cardinals offensive line is ready to take on uh, that monstrous 49ers defensive front. Um, I mean, I think you pretty much said it all, but I like it. I mean, also, you don't think Kyle Shanahan has something up his... I mean, Kyle Shanahan, great play caller. No one's seen anything anyone has done, so Shanahan might also be hiding some things. Okay, Shai, it's not the last game we'll talk about on the podcast, but let's go to probably the biggest and best game Maybe from the entire regular season, Tom Brady, the Buccaneer, and Drew Brees in a face-off in the Superdome. What's the over-under on this game? Because, look, both defenses are nice. You know, I like Tampa's front seven. Saints have a good defense. But we're talking about arguably two top five quarterbacks of all time. Obviously, Brady is one, and I think Brees has a case at in that top five range, at least. He probably needs that second Super Bowl to solidify himself in that range. I think this is a game that whoever has the ball last, you know, two two minutes, who has the ball, I think you got to pick them. And I feel, I feel like if it's anything less than that, it's a bit of a disappointment. Maybe I'm just a little greedy. No, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. This is going to be a hell of a game, and I, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. Two great, great quarterbacks that still got it, and it's it's just these offenses, these two really good high powered offenses. It's gonna be great to just watch them go go at each other. I'm hoping we'll see something a little bit like that Rams Chiefs game a couple years ago, or even the Niners Saints game last year. That was great too. Yeah, I'm I'm going with the New Orleans Saints again. I think that familiarity. Um, plus the question marks around Mike Evans. Mike Evans is battling, I believe, a hamstring injury. After not practicing or practicing in very limited fashion, I believe he did return to the practice field today. This is rec- uh, recorded Friday before the Sunday games and Monday games. But, you know, I think if Evans can't go or if he's a little hobbled, I think that could, you know, prove to be the difference because I expect complete back-and-forth action Again, I'm going with the Saints, but if the Bucks win, I 
that should not surprise anyone. This should be a heck of a game. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to pick the Saints, too. Hoping Mike Evans plays for the sake of my fantasy team. But, um, yeah, I really think the Saints are a little bit, but they're more well-rounded. But, I would, again, I would not be surprised if we see the Bucks pull off a tad bit of an upset here. Yeah, I, I mean... If Saints, you even say upset in that sense. Well, also, keep in mind, I don't think the Saints have fans. Which is, the, in my opinion, is nearly disappointment. I mean, the Superdome rocking. I mean, that's just this incredible sight to behold. Unfortunately, that won't happen. So, you know, they won't have that same home field advantage. But it should be bombs away in New Orleans. So... Now, the Sunday night game, the Dallas Cowboys taking on Jalen Ramsey and the Los Angeles Rams. We talked about Tredavious White being the highest-paid corner. He wasn't the highest-paid corner for very long. Jalen Ramsey, a five-year, $105 million, $71.2 million guaranteed, completely... I mean, it was nowhere close. Tredavious White got $55 million guaranteed. Obviously, White got about seventeen and a half per year. Ramsey's getting twenty-one million per year, so nowhere close. He didn't just he Ramsey didn't just become the highest-paid corner in the league. He completely reset the market. This should be a fantastic game. I think I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys. You know, I'm having a hard time making it my mind, but I'm going with the LA Rams here. Um. I, I I like, you know, I don't think CeeDee Lamb is going to come out guns blazing. I don't know why people are expecting the rookie receiver. Just, you know, rookies need some time a lot of times, even if they're drafted in the first round. I'm not expecting a huge game from him. I do think that Amari Cooper is going to struggle against Jalen Ramsey. And, he, he, again, he just got paid, you know, good for him, but... Like I remember that game against New England against Stephon Gilmore, who's probably a better corner than Ramsey, but they're they're on a similar level, I think you can say. And he was really, really struggling in one on one single coverage. I I I if you know, I expect we're gonna see a similar thing as him shadowing Amari Cooper and uh, and then Aaron Donald just wreaking havoc on a pretty healthy, good uh Dallas offensive line, but I think they're no match um for for Aaron Donald there. I, I like the Rams' defense, those two stars, to line of lead the way. And, you know, I think I think Jared Goff, you know, it'd be interesting to see what we get from him because he's kind of been a little bit of a, I don't want to say a laughing stock, but he's, been, he's not lived up to what his contract has. has well, I don't think he's a laughing stock. I think the contract is the laughing stock. Right. Sorry. Thank you for, yeah. Yeah, this is a game that I'll... I mean, I guess I'm going with Dallas, but by game time, I might go in the Rams. I've been going back and forth, just like the Falcons-Seahawks game. This should be a really good game. And this, you know, Shai kind of, I guess, hinted at stuff when we were talking about the Chargers. This is the game, Sunday night football, to open up SoFi Stadium, the new stadium located in Los Angeles that will be played, that the Rams and Chargers will both play in. Kind of like MetLife Stadium, two teams, one stadium. That will not have fans, correct? That will not have fans. That will not, I'm not sure. I can't tell you every stadium, but I do know SoFi Stadium will not have fans this season. Let's go to the Monday night. Your Steelers take on my Giants, and 
I mean, I'm not going to play Homer. Steelers are going to win this game. Andrew Thomas, he's a rookie. Their rookie left tackle. I have high hopes for them. But having to go against TJ Watt and Bud Dupree, he's going to get embarrassed. The Steelers' defensive line, I think it's going to be too much. Speaking of that defensive line, Cam Hayward signing a big uh, extension with the Steelers. I think that's going to basically is going to... That's what I think is going to be the main uh, reason why the Steelers are just going to overpower the Giants. Uh, I know the Steelers have Joe Hayden. I actually think the Giants' offensive weapons can have can put up a pretty good game, but I just think Jones won't. Daniel Jones won't be able to get the ball out quick enough, and I just think overall that Steelers' defensive line is just going to make things pretty ugly on the Giants. Yeah, you know. I'm not, you know, maybe not as confident as you, maybe as I'm nervous getting close to the game. You don't want to jinx I anything? Think, I don't know. I don't think so. Giants have nothing know. to lose. You guys should crush us. <laughs> you know, I the Steelers never come out, you know, guns blazing, playing really well in week one. We've seen that historically. Giants, for the last few years, Giants haven't done that week one through week 17. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, I have a little bit of a hunch it's going to be a closer game. I'm obviously going to pick my Steelers to win here. But I do think it's going to be a closer, more competitive game than people think. I'm, I'm, and I would I would be lying if I wasn't nervous. It could just be me being a Steelers fan. But I'm, I think I genuinely am a little bit nervous. Um, I, I feel like the Steelers are the Bills on steroids. You guys aren't going to blow out a lot of people. You're not... You're not going to blow out a lot of teams because you're not going to have this super high-powered offense, but you're just going to pound it against teams and just imp- you know kind of impose your will against them with that defense. I've said this many times. The Steelers have the best defense in the NFL. Not the Bills, not the 49ers, not the Patriots. I don't care what anyone else thinks. The Steelers this year will have the number one defense in the NFL, and I don't think it'll be a question by the end of the season. You sound like me right now. I completely concur with that. I've been saying that as well. Um, and just so, Shai, you can say, Shai has not influenced me in any way. A, I always have my own opinion no matter what Shai says. And B, yes, I've heard him say it, but he's also said it every year now, so it kind of gets old. This year, I really do believe the Steelers have the best defense in the NFL, and I think opposing offenses are really going to struggle to put up points against them. I don't know about every year. No, every, every year you make... <laughs> I think the boldest of claims is... a bold prediction about my team. I don't know about the defense. We'll get into that. I'll, I'll say the last it's thing just to say... Last thing just... You know, says something about Shai. A couple years ago, he said Juju Smith-Schuster was a top three receiver in the NFL. He said Juju was better than Michael Thomas. He said... I did not say Michael Thomas. I think... Uh, would, oh, you did have Thomas ahead of him? Okay. No, he said this is when Antonio Brown was in the league. So, yeah, I think he had, what, Thomas 1, Antonio Brown 2, and Juju 3. Yeah, I did. So, let let that sink in, everybody. All right. I'm not going to, you know, back down from that. That's what I thought then. You know, I may have been wrong at the time. You know, it wasn't as ludicrous as it seems now. But anyway, um, hey. I just want to briefly talk about the Cam Hayward extension for a brief sec if we have time. Uh, do we have time? Just let me know. Uh, you have 30 seconds. And then I want to, because there's a double header on Monday night, so I want to get into the last game. I was a little concerned that uh, you'd be paying him a little. I think the, the Steelers dished out that money. He absolutely deserved it. Very underrated as a top interior rusher in this league. 
But he's going to be 36 at the end of this deal. He's 31 now. You know, he's going to have another five years left on his deal. That concerns me a little bit to give him the guy this much at this stage in his career. But again, I love the guy. I'm happy for him overall. Let's move on. Final game, Titans-Broncos, and I'm going with the Denver Broncos. Yes, I am excited about this offense. The Titans, we'll see. I think they have a nice offense. Von Miller's injury hurts. I'm not denying it. hurts. He's a top edge. He's one of the better edge rushers in the game. But give me Drew Locke. Now, Drew Locke, I think, can be inconsistent, and he could throw for 300 yards, and the next game he could throw five picks. But I, I don't know. I have a good feeling that, you know, I like the Broncos. I know they lost Chris Harris, but they brought in A.J. Boye. I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos to pull off the upset. You know what hurts? Sadavian Clowney smacking into Drew Locke on Monday night. That's what's going to hurt. Derrick Henry running over this Von miller list defense. They still have Bradley Chubb. Bradley Chubb's a really good pass rusher. Yeah, Bradley Chubb and, and, and what team? Justin See, that is Simmons. true. Okay, that's a fair that point. Is... Justin Simmons is good. But other than that... Justin... Okay, well, no, they have Boye. Boye can cover A.J. Brown. I didn't, I didn't mention A.J. Brown. I'm, I, they're going to run the ball. They're going to run it in their mouth, and they're still going to blow out this, this Broncos. Blow out? Blow so you're, out. Like you're picking Tennessee to blow... Big, wow. That's interesting. Win. Most of it coming from the ground. So, yeah. I, I, Right. I, I just really like this Titans team this year. So I guess I'm picking, I'm, you know what, I'm going with Atlanta to upset Seattle. I think Seattle will end up being a much better team, but in Atlanta, why not? Now again, when we record our next podcast, Seattle probably will kill them and I'll look foolish. But who cares? <laughs> and then Dallas and the Rams, I go, I'll go Dallas. I really do like Dak Prescott. He's a top 10 quarter. I I have him in my top 10. I don't know about you, Shy. You, Shy's giving me the thumbs down. Uh, again, I'm not putting him in like the top 6 or 7, but I definitely think he's in that like 8, 9, 10 range Dak is. So I really like the Cowboys. I think Gallup and Lamb could have good games. And I know they have Aaron Donald, the Rams, but I still expect Zeke, them to pound the ball with Ezekiel Elliott. We have a really nice slate of games. I'm just very excited. The NFL is back, back, and I think you really do have to just give the NFL, the front, like the league office, the Players Association, all types of credit for getting this season underway. Again, if you said we'd have a season on time with the, there's obviously still a ton of worries that, you know, we, the next time they do tests on Tuesday, we could wake up Tuesday and there are tons of COVID tests, and hopefully that doesn't happen. But I think just to get the season underway like they have, I think it's tremendous. Great job by the NFL, the NFLPA, uh, Dr. Sills, who works with them, and just all people involved. I think it's great what they have been able to do under these unprecedented circumstances. Shy, any quick last thoughts within these last you know few seconds, really? You know, I'm hoping that I call you, and I have the Steelers blow you guys out, and there's nothing to worry about. Giants are rebuilding. We've been through this. Giants are rebuilding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm really stoked to have the season back. I'm so excited, and I'm looking forward to talking about even more in the next episode. Yeah, NFL is back. Uh, And Shy, I think, you know, 
but hopefully we'll be able to do more of these preview podcasts, which is kind of was my initial vision before other things made it a lot more difficult. That's all the time we have today on Game Time Podcast. We hope you enjoyed our week one preview. We'll see you next time on Game Time Podcast.